This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Los Angeles Sheriff's deputies fatally shot and killed a man named David Ortaz Jr. outside his East LA home earlier this year. He was holding a knife in his hand when he was hit by a barrage of a dozen bullets that continued to be fired even after he fell onto the sidewalk. Family members of Mr. Ordaz and others killed by law enforcement in Southern California will join my guest Carlos Montes this week in a news conference taking place ahead of the 51st Chicanix Moratorium, which will be marked on August 29th. The original Chicano Moratorium took place on August 29th, 1970 in East LA and at the time was considered the largest Latino anti-war and social justice protest in the nation. Today, the tradition continues as Latinos and Chicanos remain disproportionately impacted by police brutality and other social ills. Carlos Montes is co-founder of the Brown Berets. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sonali. It's great to be here with you again. Before we get to struggle. Thank you. Before we get to the Chicano Chicanics moratorium, what's happening August 29th, let's talk about some of these issues around police brutality. We know that the um, Black Lives Matter movement, which is also, I understand, endorsing or sponsoring the August 29th event, has raised the profile of how Black Americans are disproportionately targeted by police, but Chicanos and Latinos are as well. And I mentioned the case of David Ordaz Jr. Tell me about his case and the case of other Latinos and Chicanos in Southern California who just in the past few years have lost their lives. Yes, there's so many uh, young uh, Chicanos, Latinos have been killed by the sheriff and LAPD. And Black Lives Matter LA has always stood with us and and, uh, given us the opportunity to talk about the killings, right? They're a strong ally of the Chicano movement. And uh, yes, David Ordaz, poor young man, uh, March March, uh, the 14th was killed in front of his house on a Sunday afternoon, in front of the whole family. His daughter saw him, his, his sisters, and you know, he was having a mental breakdown but they shot him. He was already on the ground, wounded and bleeding to death. And the sheriff walked up to him, looked at him and shot him again uh, with a final uh, uh, bullet, which we see as an assassination. And this is one of many. We have Anthony Vargas who was killed in the Maravilla housing project. We have Paul Rea who was killed by the known Banditos deputy sheriff gangs. We have two deputies that have testified on media to say that Anthony Vargas and Paul Ray were killed by banditos gangs who were in the process of joining the gang. This is a long history of police abuse of Chicanos, of Latinos, uh, and we're standing solidly with the black community to denounce the killings of blacks and Chicanos by the sheriff and by the LAPD. Let's talk about the Chicano Moratorium. Uh, today it's called the Chicanix Moratorium to reflect some of the uh, the new language uh, around gender that uh, that activists are adopting. The original Chicano Moratorium of 1970 was focused on social ills and the discrimination facing Chicanos, but also on war. At that time, the Vietnam War was both an anti-war movement and also a pro-social justice movement. But uh, give us a sense of what it was like tens of thousands of people gathering primarily around East LA nearly 51 years ago. 
Yes, August 29, 1970, over 30,000 Chicanos marching down Whittier Boulevard, very spirited, militant, demanding our rights, equality for Chicanos in the U.S. against racism and police killings, but also against the high casualty rate of young Chicanos who were sent to Vietnam to die. Many of my, my uh, co-students co at Roosevelt High School came back traumatized or came back dead in, in, in body bags. So we had a high casualty rate. We were uh, put in the front lines, the most dangerous positions, and we faced a high casualty rate. <clears throat> so August 29, we were saying, uh, you know, our war uh, is here at home, not abroad. We denounced racism, poverty, and police brutality, and the U.S. war against the people of Vietnam. We should also say that August 29, 1970 was the date that journalist Ruben Salazar was killed, uh, which also sort of was a turning point for uh, folks here in Southern California, right? No, absolutely. You know, Ruben Salazar was originally from El, uh, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, a border town where I was raised also. And he came to the El Paso Times, then he worked for the LA Times, where he wrote about what is the Chicano, what does Chicano want? He wrote about the police abuse, about the racism by the immigration. He even traveled to, uh, to the Dominican Republic. He was in Mexico City. Yeah, no, Ruben Salazar interviewed me and the Brown Berets to find out what, what is it the young Chicano militants want, right? And so we loved him, you know, even though, you know, he, he wore a suit and tie, you know, he <laughs> wrote about our struggle, right? And, and he was targeted by the authorities. He himself said that he feared for his life, that he was being followed. And he told Phil uh, Montes, the, uh, one of the commissioners on civil rights, that he feared for his life. And that day, uh, August 29th, you know, we were in a peaceful rally at Salazar Park. Back then it was called Laguna Park. And the combined forces of the LEPD and the sheriffs attacked us. They were already there. Uh, we found out that, you know, they, they were in conjunction with the FBI, uh, uh, surveilling and keeping an eye on the movement. And they were ready to attack us because I think, you know, not, not that I think, but Nixon did not and the authorities did not want the Chicano anti-war movement to unite with the broader anti-war movement in the U.S. And they were already there. They didn't wait for an incident. They were already lined up in nearby parking lots of schools, and they attacked us. They used the excuse of some small incident to come into Laguna Park and start tear gassing and beating people indiscriminately, where they tear gassed the whole community, arrested hundreds, and the people rebelled, the people fought back. The young men, you know, we fought back in the park against the sheriffs. And uh, there was a rebellion. I mean, some people call it a riot. I'd say it's a rebellion, an angry rebellion against the police attack that went up and down Whittier Boulevard. And Ruben was there with KMEX news station. People told him, why are you going to KMEX? They're nobody, right? It's a small station. Now they're pretty big, right? But he, he was the director of news. He was with the camera crew. Uh, um, Restrepo was his cameraman. And they went up and down Whittier Boulevard uh, uh, covering the whole rebellion. They took refuge in the Silver Dollar Bar to take a break. And the sheriff came and surrounded the place and ultimately uh, yelled at everyone inside. And Ruben came out with his cameraman. They showed her her ID. There's a picture of him and Restrepo at the door taken by Raul Reese. 
uh, to get out. So he wrote the media and they pushed them back with a shotgun aimed at their chest and they went in back inside the silver dollar bar. And ultimately a deputy arrived and shot a tear gas missile projectile, not a tear gas canister, a missile projectile that it used to go through walls and shot him in the head and instantly killed him. We feel that he was assassinated, targeted by the sheriffs. So he and his memory has been commemorated in numerous ways through plays and through the naming of park. Um, let's talk about how the Chicano Moratorium has evolved and what its demands are today. Um, you mentioned, uh, or I mentioned, there will be a news conference August 5th, where you will be speaking alongside family members of those killed by law enforcement. And then the actual Chicanics Moratorium 51st commemoration will be August 29th. Tell me about those two events, in particular, the August 29th event. No, the August 29th event, we're gonna march down Waiter Boulevard. So the original route? To the original route down Waiter East, uh, West uh, on Waiter Boulevard to Salazar Park for a major rally. And we're going to <clears throat> promote and focus to say Villanueva must go. Uh, we were demanding that a Sheriff Villanueva get out, resign. We He's want him out. He's a Los Angeles Sheriff. Yep. Yes, he is. LA County Sheriff, the largest uh, jail in, in the United States. And he continues to uh, cover up and uh, say that the gangs are cliques, that they have a right to form cliques that they've done investigations. He's insulted the families by calling the poor uh, loved ones who are actually victims. He calls them suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sheriff's deputies continue to harass the gangs. So the Ordaz family, David Ordaz family, will be joining us this Thursday for a press conference along with the Anthony Vargas family, the Paul Rea family, and they will talk about their sons, uh, their loved ones being killed by the sheriff but they're also standing in unity with us to say march in the street August 29 to demand stop the killing by the sheriffs, prosecute these killer deputies. Uh, and, and in Spanish, we're saying adios con Villanueva, adios con los banditos. These are a gang of assassins that are housed in the East LA Sheriff's Station, which they call Fort Apache Sonali. Hmm. So the Chicanex, you know, uh, 51st moratorium, we're saying stop the killings. We're demanding our rights and respect as Chicanos, Chicanx, Latinx people. Aside from the issue of police brutality, law enforcement targeting, there are broader social issues as well, right? Uh, Chicanos and Latinos are disproportionately um, likely to lose, to have lost their jobs during the pandemic, less likely to have re- uh, gotten new jobs during the supposed recovery that we're in, less, uh, more likely to get infected by the COVID-19 virus, more likely to be killed by the virus. Um, more likely to be renters and therefore face evictions. Uh, So there's a whole host of social ills that the community still struggles with. Um, I imagine that those are also going to be part of the issues that you deal with. Yes, no, absolutely. We have a whole list of demands. And you're right. You know, uh, most of our people are essential workers. We're poor working people. And we suffered a high mortality rate with the COVID-19. And in the very beginning, we demanded testing. We demanded access to the vaccination because we were not getting it Mm. and we did call-ins petitions and protests to the county and the city demanding uh health care for all 
And you're right, we've been fighting gentrification now for a few years here in Ball Heights and East LA, high, high rents. You know, the gentrifiers are coming in, the, gents are, the rents are being jacked up, we're fighting evictions. So, you know, we're, we're in total uh, uh, war actually, you know, against poverty, against racism. The LAPD in Hollenbach in 2016 killed over five young men. And we see that as the tip of the spear of gentrification uh, police brutality, we see that as the tip of the spear of gentrification, uh, harassing the young man, killing the young man, uh, creating fear among the families, forcing us to flee and go somewhere else, you know, go, go somewhere else. But also the high cost of rent, the lack of, of, uh, of uh, health care. So these are all issues that will be uh, talked about by, uh, by the different organizations, uh, the uh, uh, the um, allies that we have in uh, CSO youth, they're their own separate organization. They're gonna talk about the LGBTQ rights, the rights of women, the rights of all working people to have a living wage, healthcare, and just to be able to be live free from police brutality. But our main demand continues to be economic and political power, which we call self-determination for the oppressed people. We feel we're oppressed. You know, all those symptoms that you just laid out, we're an oppressed people, just like the indigenous communities that we're in solidarity with and the African-American community. Finally, Carlos, as, as one of the original uh, marchers, one of the original leaders of the Chicano Moratorium, 51 years later, how do you transmit across generations what that struggle has been like to uh, Chicano youth, Chicanx youth? Um, you are a trove of uh, you know, oral history and have a, 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 the ability to transmit that information and share it with uh, younger activists. Is that, do you see that as, as part of what you will be doing during this month? No, absolutely. And we had a meeting uh, last week at the park and the young uh, mujeres, uh, young Chicanx ran the meeting. You know, I just sat there and mm -hmm. they asked me a question about different things, budget, I, I, I contributed it. But uh, last year when we had the 50th moratorium, we saw that a whole new generation of young uh, people came forward and got involved and started, you know, popularizing Chicanx, Chicana, Chicanx power. Where before we're all, you know, we're Hispanic and Latin and, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> so today, uh, this year it continues. They're in the leadership of, of it. The, as a matter of fact, the uh, center, the, the CSO Youth Committee, which are primarily uh, femme, uh, non-binary femme, uh, LGBTQ uh, uh, folks are running the show. They're running the program, deciding who's gonna speak and um, et cetera. Yeah, so they're already taking leadership. We're just supporting them. And I'm so happy that, you know, no guy like me can continue fighting <laughs> and, and be in the street, but I'll be in the street. I'll be in the street uh, on August 29th. Invite everyone to join me, join us. Yeah. March for the, you know, the 51st Chicanx Moratorium, East LA, August 29th, it's on a Sunday. It'll be beautiful. We'll post uh, information for our Southern California audience on that on our website, risingupwithsonali.com. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck to you. 
So, Nali, thank you so much. We love you and your show and everything you, you do. I appreciate it. Carlos Montes is co-founder of the Brown Berets. We've been discussing the 51st Chicanics Moratorium that's taking place August 29th of this year. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Are You With Sonali.